I'm Scott Farber. Sitting across from me, this good-looking guy is the current NFL Players Association president, just elected to another two-year term. Yeah. Former NFL New York Giant, even though he's a Cowboy fan. <laughs> <laughs> Memphis living legend, host of the uh, uh, this podcast and the uh, Extra Point, the TV show seen on this network, gbctv.com. And my good friend, he's Larry Mallory. Good to see you, Scott. Hey, man. Um, you know, there. I, I was trying to think about what we were going to talk about today and everything. Mm -hmm. And there's really so much. You know, it's like, where do we begin? First of all, our last podcast, we did it from the Chop Shop Garage, Sports Garage in Carrollton. And it uh, was ahead of your uh, uh, your re-election meeting, True. I guess. Uh, um, so I guess the first thing, just, just tell us about, now you're going to two more years you know what, what? And you got Javier Collins, who's done uh, some work with us on the network. True, he's going to be your vice president. Tell us, uh, tell us about what's going to be going on for two more years with the Players Association. Well, um, great question. We, we're honestly looking to continue and maintain the growth patterns that's been set by the former leaders and the leadership team that I have and the group that's supporting me. We're we're just basically continuing. I think. Uh, a very positive approach that guys like Isaiah Robinson, who's passed away, right, right. Uh, Ken Jolly, Carl Miller, Byron Williams, they were, these were all our former presidents. And uh, they set a, a pattern and a legacy of growth. And that's the same thing that I've tried to maintain. I was actually the vice president for three of those guys uh, right, right. coming up. So I, I really got a good chance to see, you know, what's the positive some of the positive effects on our right, chapter right. membership and also some of the not-so-positive effects. I can't say anything negative effect because the NFL Players Association formal player chapters are all about family, about education, about improving the quality of life. Right, right. And for me and for you, honestly, at this point in our lives, that's something positive for us to be able to contribute. Well, you know, and, and the one thing I have to vouch for Larry is that, you know, he says this on camera all the time. But when we're off camera, that's all you, you're just about positive about everything. You well, know, and it's a great way to live a life. It, it is. Um, and I think one thing is I try to be around positive people. Right. right. So you, you are, okay, you're so you, part of that. Oh, I was going to say, so you're not going to talk to me anymore? No, <laughs> so you're part of that. But you know, another thing, Scott, too, is that I'm writing a book for my mother. My mother's 90. Right. And I'm writing a book by, about her mother. And right. it's called Amazing Mary. Right, right. And I'm actually now, I've gone all the way back in American history to the 1830s. Right, right. Where uh, the English colonel had married a Choctaw Indian woman. Right, Which right. started the legacy for my family. Right, right. And moving from Georgia to Mississippi, from Mississippi to Tennessee, to Michigan, from Michigan to Tennessee. It's been such a, uh, it's just been great being able to read over and capture the thoughts of your mom before right. you were here, right, right. during the time you're here, right. and and on. So it's well, been been really great. You know, and one day we're gonna go get you back up on the site, and and go into that because that that's what we really want to capture that history right. to preserve it. You know, my mother, uh, I think I have her on here like four or five times because she always thinks of one more thing you yeah, know, that that, yeah. she, that she wants to talk about. <clears throat> and so, how is she? She's doing well. You know, she fell, broke her hip yeah. the Sunday after Thanksgiving. You were at the house for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the worst eight weeks of my life. <laughs> I mean, it was, and, and the doctors warned me that this is what it was going to be. She was depressed. She was anxious. She was miserable, needy, 
in pain, watching your 94-year-old mother sit and cry like a baby, it was difficult. Yeah. Eight weeks later, she's walking normal. Her mind is strong. She's back. I mean, it's just, I can't believe that, that how far she's come. But, but I can't believe what she went through. And they the told me she was going to. Was it the medication that affected? Well, the first thing is they warned me about the anesthesia at her age. Right. right. And, uh, um, and that had a lot to do with it. But then uh, the um, uh, being out of your surroundings at that age and in a hospital setting and it's dark and depressing. Yeah. And they come in every five minutes for vitals, you know. It w- And the rehab and the pain, it just was a... <clears throat> but I'm going to have her do another podcast. I had her do a podcast from the hospital. Uh-huh. You know, while she was going through it, it's up on the site, and we haven't done one since with the uh, with the old ladies, as I call them. <laughs> you, you know, it kills me. They get more views than we do. Uh, yeah, you. Yeah. Hey, but they got more history than we do. Well, that's right. That's right. They have a, they have a lot to talk about. That's true. All right. I, you know, I just have a just a, a montage of things. You know, uh, you as a former athlete, are we witnessing something that none of us want to see? Is LeBron James' talent fading? Is an LA Laker? He's having a rough year. He is having a rough year, but I think if you, um, I think his, his Snoop Dogg did a, <laughs> did a video, <laughs> and uh, he he basically said that LeBron is the only somebody on the team having a fairly decent year. Well, that's right. Everybody else needs to be sent somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. That Laker team, you know, is it, it, the Laker team as a whole. It's one of our. I think in America, one of our gloried franchises. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. They've had so many victories. We've had. Right behind I, the Bulls. Okay, go ahead. Well, right behind the Bulls. That's <laughs> no. a good point. So, so, and so when your top athlete in, a, in, a, in an environment right. chooses to go to that town, his, right. his expectations is, are not to be less visible, it's to be more visible. But now let me ask you this too, though. Does he also have the problem going there if they struggle at all? He's not going to be as accepted as much as if they would succeed. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of uh, Kobe fans that were going, uh, who's this guy, you know, trying to step on Kobe's legacy? But Kobe probably had a little bit of that. You know, there's a lot of Magic fans. That's right. That's right. You know, but LeBron was already a big star in the league. Kobe was theirs that they grew into a big star. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if there's some of that too. Like, okay, he's not doing so well, so we're not going to be on his bandwagon. You know. Well, you know, what you mentioned in Kobe, I, Kobe didn't go to college, did he? he no, he, he actually went, right, went straight to the pros. So did LeBron, yeah. And so yeah, did LeBron. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I saw that that parallel when you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. And what I don't know and can't even conceive, honestly, is starting to make the type of money that they make in the pros when you're 18, 17, 18, 19 years old. Right, right. So when we talk about those two guys or guys like that, they're really in a special bucket. Oh. Because they've been making money for so long. And honestly, in those early days, probably someone else managed managed their money. They were focused solely on the sport. Right, right. So, you know, we're we're talking about two special characteristics, special skill sets, special guys. I think that that might be the best team for, for LeBron to go. I think that might be a good yeah. decision based upon Kobe and the, the history and the legacy. If he can bring them back, it'll be interesting. Because I, I can say that, that Lonzo Ball's father won't bring them back. Well, 
<laughs> I'm glad he's out of the picture yeah. completely. Now, at what age, though, do you feel like your skills start to diminish a little bit? I mean, he's 34 years old. Obviously, he's a great player. I would say the guy in Milwaukee is probably uh, uh, um, now the number one player in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but um, at what point do you start to say the skills are diminishing and he's not that asset? Well, I think that would be a great question for Tom Brady. Yeah? Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, his skill sets, I don't think, has diminished much. But basketball is a team sport. Football is a team sport, but your quarterback is the key. Yeah, but, okay, I was having this argument uh, yesterday. Are we not arguing? Yeah, yeah, I was having this discussion yesterday with my son again. And, and you know, and you and I didn't even plan on talking about something like this. But, you know, we got on these great athletes like Tom Brady because I was saying the two athletes, I picked two athletes that I think had the will to win more than anybody in the history of sport by far. Who were they? Who do you th- who who would you pick? Who what? The will to win. The will to win. Two athletes. I just picked two athletes. You could just say maybe one if you want. But I thought of two, and I couldn't put one over the other. So I I got two that I think have the will to win more than anybody else, and that's why their careers were better than anybody else. I would probably put Michael Jordan in there. Okay, that's one that you say. And number two, I might put. Oh, um, Will Chamberlain or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar okay. or Shaq. Okay, so you guys. stayed in basketball, though. I, I, oh, you know, oh, I you, see. You, you I can see. pick from anywhere. Oh, so, Will to win anywhere would be... You got Jordan as one. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a tough one, um... Your time is up. Okay. I We're doing a show, man. That's true. That's true. That's true. Come on with somebody for me. I, I, I did Tiger Woods. That's, that's a, a, I cannot disagree. I, I don't I know mean, why I didn't go to golf. I was at all the hidden well, sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Mr. European Pro Senior that's guy. Right, that's right. Um, I should have gone there first. That, that's right. I, I just picked Tiger because, look, at that is not a team sport. Yeah. It's just you. You know, you're not even playing the field. You're you're just playing yourself. You, you know, and nobody had the will to win more on the golf course. I thought than Tiger, and you know he, you know, in his heyday, he was winning almost a third of the events he was in. Who was your second choice? Michael Jordan. Oh, cool. cool. You know, Mike, that was close. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Michael and uh, Tiger, because you know it, it's like I explained to my son once Jordan and the Bulls got over the hump and went to the finals. They won all the time, and they won every time. And Michael was the MVP every time. You know, somebody like LeBron, obviously a great player, and there's going to be an argument that he's the best player ever. But he, he would get to the finals, and he didn't even win half the times he got there. And he didn't get the MVP every time. Well, he, he probably got it when they won. Yeah, but he didn't get it when they lost, you know. Yeah, and so you know, it, it, it's just that Jordan was not going to not win, and Tiger seemed to be, you know, it's not a team sport, so you're totally on your own. I, I just I think agree. that sets them apart even from everybody else. Yeah. And you mentioned Tom Brady, and football is a team sport. Tom Brady did not have a good Super Bowl. No, he didn't. 
I mean, first pass was an interception. He threw a, uh, he had a fumble. They recovered it. it you know, Edelman saved the day for yes, him. Yes, he did. And his defense saved the day. Yeah. You, you know, he I didn't agree. put a lot of points up on the board. Not that he had a bad Super Bowl, but it wasn't like, you, you know, Tom Brady is the reason we won. Yeah, or what we even expected. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, the quarterback didn't get the MVP. The receiver got the MVP. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. So, you know, you know, that's just, you know. I don't that's know. kind of odd, isn't it? Because normally it does hover around the quarterback. That person right. touches the ball the most. Right, right. That's a great point. And, you know, I thought of something, too. You know, you always say the person that touches the ball the most. The quarterback is not the person who touches the ball the most. Who is it? The center. I've seen the quarterbacks line up in... Uh, in a wildcat, and they're, the quarterback is off playing the wide receiver. Ha ha! Center still touches the ball. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You know, that's a good point. You know, so you know, it's one of those technicalities. But yes, you're correct. But here's a th- that, that's another thankless position, just like holding, because yeah. you, know, you only pay attention to the center when he does something bad. Well, that's right, <laughs> and, and and you have to have a big head. That's right. Just ask Glifford. Um, <laughs> Okay, now what about uh, what's going on here in Jacksonville? Nick Foles is going to sign with Jacksonville, they say. That's what they say. Um, Does Nick Foles want to be a starter? Does he want to give up that big contract and sitting on the bench not getting hurt? I, I don't think he wants to give up any of that, but they're going to offer him a bigger contract, yeah, and yeah. he's married. Yeah, yeah okay. So, <laughs> so when the wife sees the new contract, she'll be happy. She'll be happy. So what happens to Bortles? Um, is he gone, or is he going to be the backup? No, I think Bortles will probably move to a backup role, and probably not with that team. He'll probably go to a backup role in some other team. I think if Bortles leaves that team, then his career is really, it'll be just be a backup role. You know, we won't see or hear from him again, more than likely. And, and, and to be quite frank, uh, you know, you or I, we would be very, very happy to have a backup role in the, in the NFL. Because oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> they're yeah. still making 17, 18 million a year. So. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's not, he's not going to complain. Well, no, he is going to complain because they're competitors. They want to start. Uh, well, yeah. You know. a, a lot of the athletes want to start, but the new young athlete also know that their careers are not going to be forever. Forever. Right, and right. they're trying to get as much revenue as possible as quick as possible. Right. Get vested yeah. and get out of the league. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, uh, the new young athletes don't have to worry about getting as much money as possible. Even though they complain about their rookie contracts, right. I don't know of anybody who wouldn't want to have that rookie contract when they're 22 years old. That's true. You, That's you know, true. Starting, uh, starting life. You, you know, uh, One of the things that I think as a union and what we also can contribute in that aspect is is to make sure that uh, the guys are getting quality representation. You know, we right, talked before right. about, in some cases, the agent and his group of supporters right. are, are making more of a percentage of the player's salary than he's making, over 50. You right, know, when you take right. out your will and your insurance and your representation, right. all those things come out. So one of the things that we have to make sure is that that, that the guys are getting good representation and, and honestly, that, that they... Come out of school understanding the the industry that they're coming into. Right, right, right. You know the the combine is right now, and seeing a lot of guys in the combine. That's got to be a huge industry, though, because these guys get paid so much money. They're young kids; they don't know how to handle the money, um, and you've got to be really careful on who's going to handle it for you. Because, like you say, we don't realize how much comes out of that check. That's right. You know, to go to all the different little places, and then a lot of guys, you know, you always hear about how they have a posse. I don't know what that means, but 
why why do they have posses that they uh, that they give money to all the time? Is it just because they're trying to be nice because they have a lot at the moment? Well, the young people, you know, I guess they would call it posse, but there's been for guys. And it's not just football. I mean, it's right. every sport. Oh yeah, no, I agree. You know. But for you to get to that level to be to qualify to receive that kind of money, right? There's usually a support team around you, right? Right. And the closer that they see you getting to it the harder it will be for you to discharge them yeah, yeah, when you yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're going to be hanging around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess. You know, you always hear that, and it takes so much money out of them. Yeah. Um, all right, so now the XFL just hired Mark Tressman, a former uh, NFL coach, mm-hmm. to coach Tampa Bay. And we were talking about the, uh, the other league for the young kids that you're really high on. The AAF. The AAF. Mm-hmm. Because it's young kids coming right out of high school to play at a contract of 250000 a year, you right, said. Right. Um, and we were talking about it. If they make it to the NFL from there, that's great. Then they didn't have to go to college. If they don't make it to the NFL, they're paid enough money where they'll be able to pay for college and still have some money left over in their pocket. Right. You know, so it's a, it seems to be like a great situation. So we just touched on it a little bit the last podcast, but what do you think how the NCAA really looks at this league? Well, number one, I'm, I'm not sh- sure. I'll have to check this out if they can come directly from high school. I don't know if there is a, a college requirement, number one. Okay. But I do believe that it's, it's going to compete. I think that it's a move uh, because it's supported by the NFL. I think it's a move, in many respects, that competes with the NCAA. Right, right, right. The NCAA is a developing, a development environment for NFL, for sports people. Right. But it's also supposed to be an opportunity to receive an education. Right. I think, in general, because of the capitalism, I think that the, especially in football, because football generates more revenue for colleges than any other sport. The stadiums are larger. You you think? Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> no, that's, that's that's a joke. The University uh, of Texas takes in 120 million a year. There we go from the football program. Exactly. You and know. so now, with that type of revenue generation, I think the focus is now off of education. I don't even right. think the focus that there's a a facade that you can go take a class and. But, but see, that's what I was going to ask you though, because uh-huh. you know back. In our day, and I know we're talking 100 years ago. Um, sadly, it's almost literally 100 years ago. <laughs> but back in our day, going to class for the athlete wasn't important. It was important, but not really because you were going to pass anyway. That wasn't the conditions that I experienced. Okay. Yeah. I think that's according to what school you went to and what coach you were under. We actually had to... We actually had to go to class and have our teachers sign that we were there. And if you did not go to that class, we only received $15 a month for laundry fee. You paid $1 for every class you missed. You paid $0.50 for every error that was on your sign-in sheet. So a lot of of coaches... Tennessee State... I don't think it was just Tennessee State. I think in HBCUs... Right. The guys are not, coaches are not making the 11 million like Saban. Right, right. You have to go to a parent's house in our day. Right. You have to go to a parent's house and sit in their front room and convince them, not that they were going to the pros, 
but then they would get a, get an education. That's right. Yeah. Well, no, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear that. You know, you know, um, because you know, you hear all the stories about how they just put the kids through and everything, which uh, is not in their best interest, right. you know, long term. Um, but today, how is it today? Today, with is it important that they go to class? Um, you know, I think it's according to what school you're at and what culture you're under. However, because the I think the lowest salaries in NCAA coaches now is in the area of $3 million. Right, right. That coach is not going to let a scholarship athlete affect his $3 million. Right. If that scholarship athlete now sells his jersey for $0.25, cents, he can be thrown off of a scholarship. Right, right. So it's evolved now to where because football generates – the kind of revenue right, that it does, that it does yeah. then the the athlete is important to the role of the athletics and not to the role of the education. Right, right, right. So that's a challenge, and that's what we're, we're actually looking at those conditions now and talking about HBCUs versus NCAAs and how do we operate with these kids, especially when you're seeing, you know, prisons are are growing, private prisons are growing, all this stuff is going on. So, But this is so much for a kid to absorb that just wanted to go to school to play football. You know, um, and are the rules and regulations in the NCAA for all schools now? Or, or you know, how does, it, how does that really work? It, 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 I think the NCAA has an overriding posture for all schools, but I think they primarily focus on state schools and, right. you know, Raised right. schools, not necessarily right. uh, historical black colleges and universities. Well, you know, you don't hear, very rarely you might hear of a kid missing uh, a game or a season because of his grades. Yeah. You don't hear of it a lot. It's a it's real true. small percentage that you hear. And then, you know, you wonder, is every kid going to class and passing? Or are they being helped put through? I, for, I forget who it was. Oh, Dexter Manley went through college and... Uh, Never went to class? He couldn't read or write. See... He learned how to sign his check. I mean, I saw him years ago in a tearful revelation, and he was just now learning how to read. And, and you know... And look how much money he affected in that university. Look how much money the coaches and the everybody right. made, and he can't even read. Right, right. That, and, to and me, just, that's an injustice. Yes. And that there should be some educational element right. to a... a, a athlete's entry and exit out right, of college. Right, And here was a star in the NFL. Yeah. You know, now, he can now, you know, but I just okay. remember, you know, uh, the report on that, and it really, it really hurts, you know, when you, uh, when you see something like that. So, yeah. uh, um, but again, that's only one incident, and it's only was called to everybody's attention because he was a superstar. I was about to say, it's only <laughs> one know. incident, but I'm sure there's many, many more. Right, right. And especially of players that, you know, everybody thinks that every player that makes the NFL is somewhat of a star. Right, right. But at the end of the day, there are still levels in that environment of superstars. Well, it's what I always say. You've got to be a star to get to the NFL. You've been a star your whole life. Yeah. And then it gets separated. The top 1,000 guys, you know, there's a sep- the next separation amongst the best. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, and that's, that's the way... That's the way I always see it. Um, well, you know, someday we'll have to get somebody in from the NCAA to kind of explain what that is because the education is so important. But that brings us back to the new leagues that, you know, that we're talking about that gives the kids an opportunity. Now, you said that they might have to go to college for a year or so first. Yeah. 
One of the things that that was for the well, AAF well, for the AAF though. But what if they can't afford college? Um, then are they if you locked out? Well, I don't think they're locked out because their skill set. They can't make that league if they don't have some type of athletic skill sets, which would right. have generated a scholarship. So, so you okay? So you think they're all still getting a scholarship yes. somewhere? Yes, I would think so. Uh, okay, I would think so. Okay, so if it then then. Really, if if they have to go to college first, then what is the league doing to help them? I I was under the impression it was a league helping kids come right out of college to play. You know, I mean, right out of high school to play, and and for that money. Um, so if if they're coming, have to go to some college first, how is it helping them? Do you think? Uh, well, a few ways. If you come right out of high school, you know, there's a lot of discussions about if your body is ready for the next. Right, level, level and, right. And that type of liability is one that the NFL owners who are making fairly good money yeah. doesn't want to take on. Right, right. So right. I couldn't imagine them trying to take it on in a smaller environment or this this environment attempting to take it on. However, I think the number was 250000 uh, right, per player right, that right. they start off with. And what I think it is, I don't think the league was started only for high school. I think it was started because there is so much talent out right. there that it, even when you look at the NFL combines, how much talent is out there. Some of it came out of the army. Some of it never went to college. Some of all of that market now has an opportunity to show their skill sets as well. Right, right. Then you add on an XFL, you know, which is another way to make. Over forty thousand dollars a year, because I think the XFL is a seventy-five thousand dollar right, per right. payment, non-guaranteed payment. So, you know, with the type of revenue, and to be quite frank, I've watched the AAF, and on television, they they look impressive. Well, I'm trying to look them up right now just to see if I could quickly find, and I and I can't. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I could find. Um, uh, those pill- I remember the, one of the, the pillars that we like about the AAF was that, number one, they were focusing on gambling. Right. They were going to focus on player issues. They wanted right, to make right, sure right. the equipment was right, all of those type of things. They wanted to gambling player issues. Oh, non-guaranteed salaries, a, certain, a, a set amount so it's not negotiable, and you can leave anytime you want to. And go to another league. Right, right. All right, we took a little pause, Larry, and we did a little quick research. And we're finding there's a lot of uh, safety rules for this, uh, yeah. this league. But we can't find the requirements of the player coming out of high school or if he has to go to college or whatnot. Right. Finding the contracts are three years, 250000 which is you know, just a tad more than the XFL, right. the new league coming up. Um, and this one seems to be a real development league for players right. with, with some of the rules that you were reading to me. With They can only rush five players, so there's no blitzing. Yeah. There's no extra points. Yeah. You know, so they got to go for two. Does that change any of your thoughts on uh, uh, the league then? Well, uh, you know, I, I actually started in the World Football League. Right. Um, which, interestingly enough, we had three of the top stars in the NFL leave the NFL to come to that league. Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, and Paul Warfield. And Larry Mallory. Uh, well, they, they let me tag along with <laughs> And so, um, 
one of the challenges I think we had as a league was defining a personality. And I think that what they're doing as a league is good in that up front, they're defining all the parameters that it takes for you to play in this league. Uh, you remember we talked about me being a wedge buster at one right. time. Well, there's no kickoff, so you can't be right. a wedge buster back right. this right. league. Right. And so it, it seems as though the league is focusing on, on skills and talent in specific positions, preparation or backup support for the NFL, uh, Bill Polian is a guy that started everything, right. and he came out of the NFL, so we right. know what what products they need. Right, right. And to me, what they've done is put him over a, a, um, a product providing right, company. Right, right, right. And so now you got NCAA provides products. Let's see what they are. So really, the owners have created even more of an option right. of either hiring or recruiting or bringing in players you know, that can fit their rosters. Yeah. It's just interesting to see who gets the leverage in this. I and think the owners get it. Honestly. And where is the XFL going to fit in? They, they keep hiring ex-NFL coaches. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I don't know if that's for name recognition. Uh, the owner is Vince McMahon, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, from the World Wrestling Federation. So um, um, is he going to try to make it... You know, is it going to be a lot of fanfare, or is it going to be a real straight football league that he wants to compete with the NFL? Right. I don't think he's looking to be a feeder to the NFL. I think they're looking to compete. I think would be my right. guess. I, I I think you're right. I agree with you. I think that, but I, I think that if I were sitting in his business meetings on the XFL side, I would want to know as much as I can about the timing of the AAF because right, right. basically it yeah, kind yeah. of offsets them. And, it, and in some ways, because of the history of the McMahon family, you know, right. they're very, wrestling is a very, very, uh, you know, type of sport. Right, right. And uh, I don't know if the entire American population believes that it's as physical as it looks, you know, right, because right, there right, might be right. some theatrics in it as yeah, well. Yeah. And so I think that, that personality of the McMahon side um, does not, put the XFL in the same competitive level as right, the AAF right, right. and obviously not the NFL. You know, one thing I've got to say uh, for Vince McMahon, you know, he's a promoter, oh, yeah. he's a showman, and he took a sport that's been around forever. And I used to love my grandfather watching wrestling when I was a little kid, and I'll never know if he thought it was real or not. Right, right. But, you know, back when we were kids, it seemed like, the adults thought it was real, yeah. and you know, and we and gathered every, around the TV, <laughs> and, and, and everybody knew it was fake except the adults in the room, and um, um, and I think they really went to the stratosphere when they announced how it's all theatrical, oh yeah, and scripted, and you you wondered that was a big risk. Is it going to go away? But no, the fans love the performance and the show and the personalities and everything. And in line with that, I just read today that uh, King Kong Bundy was a huge man, mm-hmm. passed away, you know, recently, probably mm-hmm. yesterday, at age 61. And one of the stars of the wrestling, you know, one of the giants, he was the, uh, you know, the bad guy for Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. you know, and... and uh, uh, and I was reading about all the people, you know, sending 
in their condolences and everything. Because these guys, you know, really have a following. Oh, and we, we were part of that following. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you know, know, you know, it. Um, um, they were boisterous. They were bold. Yeah, you, you know, know, and even though it was theatrics, they were pretty athletic. Do you feel though that? Do you feel that the legacy of the the present very popular MMA actually comes more from wrestling than boxing? Well, I always have a problem with the MMA, you know, <laughs> because, I mean, you know, somebody's going to wind up dead. I mean, you know, hitting in the face, you know, with bare knuckles. I mean, boxing is a brutal sport, <clears throat> you know. Uh, um, and yet, you know, we all used to watch Muhammad Ali, and they would just pummel each other in the head. Yeah. You know, it's a brutal sport. And uh, the MMA is like taking it to another level, I think. Hit anywhere you can hit. Just and, and hit, and then when a the guy falls down, they just start pounding his face. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's a frightening thing. So I don't think so. I think it's more of an offshoot of boxing because the wrestling is scripted. Yeah. You know, there was, a, um, there was a documentary I saw on, uh, on uh, Andre the Giant. You know, the seven-foot guy, you know. Um, um, and, you know, when, when we would see him wrestle, he was this older, heavy guy that could barely move around. And the documentary showed that. And um, he fought Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. And Hulk Hogan was telling the story how everybody was afraid of Andre. He goes, you know, he was huge, he was strong. And when he was a younger man, he was in really good shape too. He goes, so we were all afraid of him in the locker room even. You know, if he didn't like you, you were in trouble. Right. He said, these giants of men were afraid to go near him because, you know. And he goes, and um, our conversations would be very short and it would be yes, sir, and everything. And he goes, when we're having WrestleMania and I don't know the outcome and I don't know what we're supposed to do. He goes, and, and Andre's not talking to me and he keeps telling me, don't worry about it. And he goes, and I'm worried about it. He goes, this is the biggest event. And he goes, uh, um... He goes, so I was talking to Vince McMahon, and Vince said, don't worry, you know, Andre will do the right thing. He goes, but what's the right thing? What's supposed to happen? He goes, I didn't know if I was supposed to win or if <laughs> he was supposed to win. But the mantle was being passed to Hulk, so of course, you know, he was supposed to win. Mm -hmm. And um, Vince told him that he's supposed to win, and he said, I just stripped it out a match, you know, what we should do. And I gave it to... Uh, Andre, he said, you know, while we're in the locker room, before we went out there, and he's still not talking to me. Right. And he wouldn't say anything. He goes, don't worry about it. And he said, we went out there. And he goes, and I didn't know what to do. And he goes, I went with the first move that I wrote down on my script. And he goes, and he followed that script to a T. Hmm. He goes, he did, did everything he was supposed to do that, that I just hand wrote out. He showed the paper. Mm -hmm. I just hand wrote out this match, the biggest match for the, you know, for that wrestling program, yeah, and uh, they couldn't get uh, the Hulk. Uh, I mean, they couldn't get Andre the Giant to talk about it. Wow, you know, I mean, it's just interesting stuff. Well, you know, one of the things that I liked about, uh, I thought was intimidating about Andre the Giant, was that everybody that got in, stepped into the wrestling ring, right? If you notice, you know, they would hold the top rope up, right, 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 hold the bottom, and they would slide through the middle, right, rope. right. He'd step. Andre over would step the, over the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, he would just step over the whole thing. <laughs> But, you know, these guys were genuinely afraid of him. Yeah. You, you know, uh, uh, and they said, you know, but if he liked you, you sat and played cards with him and he drank a bottle of wine, they'd go have the match, you know. 
but uh, it was interesting. It's just an interesting concept. But um, when we were kids, there was another big guy, Haystacks Calhoun. Do you remember that name? I do. I was really six hundred and one pounds. Yeah, I was yeah, really yeah. Young, you, yeah. Know, uh, you know, you <coughs> know, we got off onto wrestling completely. All right. Well, you know, because we're running short on time, let me ask you real quick. Mm-hmm. Have an update on uh, the politics in this country? <laughs> well, you know, at one time we would we could go from day to day and we'd be excited about which team won or sports or something like that. Now I think the sport is news is the sport. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you wake up wondering, okay, so what's going to happen today? Yeah, yeah, we get up to see what what's on the lineup. Yeah, you know, and and, and I think that to a certain degree is is used in many cases as a distraction. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, well, not in many cases. I think every day. <laughs> right. What can we do to get you off of yesterday's news? That's true. You know, you know. Well, we're back from Hanoi. You yeah, know, everything yeah. worked out in Vietnam. We didn't give up too much and didn't get anything. Right. So right, that's right. a good thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. yeah. And uh, I think moving forward, you know, um, I think that young people are going to play a very important role. Coming, uh, you know, in the future, because I, I see uh, we had two years of one type of message, right, right, and now with the Democrats having the House, we're going to get another two years of another type of, of another type of message, yeah, yeah, and a review of what happened the previous two. Right. So, so for me, it's it's almost like a constant. I have to sometimes turn off to the view or the real or Jerry yeah, Springer, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, you know. yeah. Just to kind of calm down and ease down. Yeah. Because it's uh, now, I mean, on most of the news things, it's breaking news, breaking news. Yeah, well, that, news. yeah, constantly and everything. And, yeah, um, um, yeah it would be nice to have a nice story. Exactly. Take us off of, you know, exactly. so let, let's hear something good happen. Exactly. You know, so, well, maybe next week, man. Well, definitely next week. We'll yeah. make something good. We'll, we'll make week. something good. All right. <laughs> All right. See you soon. All righty. All righty. <laughs>